0: Welcome back to Read This Next with Sam and Nicole. Today is our first episode of the new year, though for us it is the first episode or the last episode we're filming in December. But we're getting ahead of the curve and getting this one done. Um, So I guess that the next episode will report back about anything that we've read over the holidays. But this one is a fun topic. Sci-fi, but not sci-fi. So sci- fiction that has science, but is not science fiction. That being said, there's a couple in here that are true sci-fi, but the focus of this list was supposed to be, like, books that have science in them, but not nonfiction, and not specifically sci-fi. Because I watched a bunch of promos for uh, Lessons in Chemistry, the TV show, and I was like, that looks really good. I like fi. I didn't know there was... I
1: didn't know that there was a TV show coming out.
0: It's out. (laughs) Oh, it's out. Okay, I had no idea. Apple, I think. I haven't Uh, watched it. I've only seen, like, TikTok clips.
1: (laughs) Cool. All right. I think that this is a really fun uh, theme. I think this is a
0: unique theme. Let's go. Um, So starting off with the uh, inspiration for it, we have Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis uh chemist elizabeth zott is not your average woman in fact elizabeth zott would be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman but it's the early 1960s and her all-male team at hastings research institute takes a very unscientific view of equality except for one calvin evans the lonely brilliant nobel prize nominated grudge holder who falls in love with of all things her mind True chemistry results. And in case you didn't get it, this is about chemistry. <laughs> but what? I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Uh, but like science, life is unpredictable, which is why a few years after Elizabeth Zott finds herself not only a single mother, but the reluctant star of America's most beloved cooking show, Supper at Six, Elizabeth's unusual approach to cooking. And um, then it says, in quotes, combine one tablespoon tablespoon acetic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride uh end quote provides proves revolutionary but as her growing i'm losing it i'm getting lost in it but as her following grows not everyone is happy because as it turns out elizabeth zott isn't just teaching women to cook she's daring them to change the status quo Laugh out loud, funny, shrewdly observant, and studded with a dazzling cast of supporting characters, Lessons in Chemistry is as original and vibrant as its protagonist. It looks pretty cute, and it's, like, it's not, like, it's a romance, but it's not just romantic.
1: Yeah, no, I think originally when I had seen this title, I'd always assumed that it was just a like a modern day romance yeah. because of the title
0: and everything. And the picture. But uh, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like it's a lot more in depth
1: than that. So
0: Honestly based never judge on the, a book by its cover. Ain't that the truth? I well yeah. I disagree with that. I think you should well, judge a book. I always cover do. I constantly that. do every single day. Yeah, but read the back. Yeah. Read the back. And Judge the Front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, this yeah, based on the front, like, it looks like it's a modern lady scientist, but not 1960s feminism and chemistry. So. Yeah. Try it out before right you watch the show.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. And then the next one we've got on the list is called The Signature of All Things. Did Sorry, you... I'm and just this grabbing looks... lip chap. <laughs> What are you doing? No, the the signature of all things. It looks like this is also a historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, and this is by Elizabeth Gilbert. Okay, in the signature of all things, Elizabeth Gilbert returns to fiction, inserting her
0: inimitable, inimitable,
1: inimitable. <laughs> That's a good word. Mm -hmm. Inimitable voice into an enthralling story of love, adventure, and discovery. Spanning much of the 18th and 19th centuries, the novel follows the fortunes of the extraordinary Whitaker family, as led by the enterprising Henry Whitaker, a poor-born Englishman who makes a great fortune in the South American quinine trade? I should really follow (laughs) Yeah. Horse? (laughs) Quinine tree? I don't know what that is. Cool. But uh, eventually becoming the richest man in Philadelphia. Born in 1800, Henry's brilliant daughter, Alma, who inherits both her father's money and his mind, ultimately becomes a botanist of considerable gifts herself. As Alma's research takes her deeper into the mysteries of evolution, she falls in love with a man named Ambrose Pike, Who makes incomparable paintings of orchids and who draws her in the exact opposite direction into the realm of the spiritual the divine and the magical alma is a clear-minded scientist ambrose a utopian artist but what unites this unlikely couple is a desperate need to understand the workings of this world and the mechanisms behind all life.
0: It's a really long description. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) No, no, and it's full of big words that I'm learning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exquisitely
1: researched and told at a galloping pace, the signature of all things soars across the globe, from London to Peru to Philadelphia to Tahiti to Amsterdam and beyond. Along the way, the story is peopled with unforgettable characters, missionaries, ab- 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 abolitionists, abolitionists. abolitionists <laughs> adventurers, astronomers, sea captains, geniuses, etc. Uh, but most memorable of all is the story of Alma Whitaker, who, born in the Age of Enlightenment, but living well into the Industrial Revolution bears witness to that extraordinary moment in human history when all the old assumptions about science, religion, commerce, and class were exploding into dangerous new ideas. Written in the bold, questing spirit of that singular time, Gilbert's wise, deep, and spellbinding tale is certain to capture the hearts and minds of readers. Sweet. You killed that. Nice. Thank you. This actually sounds really great. I love love the time period that Mm -hmm. we're looking at. And then when it's noted at the end that we're heading into that industrial revolution, I think that's really interesting because we don't really think about that a lot. Like that it was a huge shift from one kind of really common um, ideology into something really kind of crazy at the time. So this sounds pretty cool to me.
0: It does. And I kind of think the botany aspect of it is very like I like that it's not a science like the first one was obviously chemistry but botany is so interesting on its own to me and I'm very Mm -hmm. curious how that'll all play out and I kind of like that the person that she kind of falls in love with also is obsessed with flowers but more from like a beauty standpoint and it's very cool it sounds like it comes at it from a lot of angles which is nice yeah lots going on and I like the cover too Okay, this next one. I'm trying to remember what the science is before... Oh, no. This one? Archaeology slash... Wait, no. Paleontology. Dinosaurs. Okay. Nice. This is Remarkable Creatures by Tracy Chevalier. In 1810, a sister and brother uncover the fossilized skull of an unknown animal in the cliffs of the South coast of england with its long snout and prominent teeth it might be a crocodile except that it has a huge bulbous eye remarkable creatures is the story of mary anning who has a talent for finding fossils and whose discovery of ancient marine reptiles such as the ichthyosaurus shakes the scientific community and leads to new ways of thinking about the creation of the world Working in an arena dominated by middle-class men, however, Mary finds herself out of step with her working-class background. In danger of being an outcast in her community, she takes solace in an unlikely friendship with Elizabeth Philpot, a prickly London spinster with her own passion for fossils. The strong bond between Mary and Elizabeth sees them through struggles with poverty, rivalry, and ostracism, as well as the physical dangers of their chosen obsession. It reminds us that friendship can outlast storms and landslides, anger and... And jealousy. Cool again. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Science. Can you imagine finding a fossil in real life? I love right, my well, mind.
1: So, not only like finding a fossil in real life, but again, like we're looking at this historical time period and like, things are kind of mind blowing now in the modern age of like dinosaurs. Thinking about dinosaurs existing is kind of weird. Kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense, whatever. So when you're back in, what is this, the the 1800s? Yeah, 1810. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. What do you do with that? Like, this is a big bone. I think that's, (laughs) yeah. What is this big cat? (laughs) I hope that doesn't (laughs) exist. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's a a really interesting thing to write about and especially when it's like a a fictional story Mm. like i think that's super intriguing
0: it's interesting the last three have all been historical fiction and i I don't think the next one is but i think quite a few of them are anyways did you read the last one or did i read the last one
1: You did, so I'm going to move on to the next one, which is, it's funny, because you just read Remarkable Creatures, and I'm going to read this one called Remarkably Bright Creatures. Love it. Okay, so this is by Shelby Van Pelt. Um, After Tova Sullivan's husband died, she began working the night shift at the Sowell Bay Aquarium, mopping floors and tidying up. Keeping busy has always helped her cope. Which she's been doing since her eighteen-year-old son Eric mysteriously vanished on a boat in who
0: Puget Sound?
1: Puget, Puget Sound? Yeah, I think. Okay, Puget Sound (laughs) over thirty years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, okay. (laughs) Anyways, um, Toba becomes acquainted with curmudgeonly curmudgeonly yeah (laughs) marcellus curmudgeonly marcellus a giant pacific octopus living at the aquarium marcellus knows more than anyone can imagine but wouldn't dream of lifting one of his eight arms for his human captors until he (laughs) forms a remarkable friendship (laughs) (laughs) why are you giggling
0: i'm laughing because you're laughing (laughs)
1: Okay, um, oh goodness <laughs> until he forms a remarkable friendship with tova ever the detective Marcellus deduces what happened the night tova's son disappeared oh cool and now Marcellus must use every trick his old invertebrate body can muster to unearth the truth for her before it's too late Shelby Van Pelt's debut novel is a gentle reminder that sometimes taking a hard look at the past can help uncover a future that once felt impossible. Wow. So is this octopus a detective?
0: I think this is written... I think this might be from the octopus's uh, perspective?
1: That'd be so cool.
0: (laughs) I gotta know. I really should have looked at that before... (laughs) Uh, I put it in here, but it feels kind of like it's from the perspective of the octopus.
1: I I really would have to agree.
0: Um, it kind of um, what's that movie with the <laughs> why <Did I> even... <laughs> the arrival where they talk to like the like octopus creatures in space? Oh, okay, we're thinking of different. I'm movies. not familiar. <laughs>
1: I'm not familiar with that one. It brings I'm interested, to mind though. that movie. <laughs> okay. No, I like that. I also do want to point out that the cover of this book is beautiful.
0: It is. The colors so are super nice. good. Um Yeah, I'm I'm just reading the description of yeah, in addition to the humans, there was the most original and wonderful point of view, the bright octopus. So apparently a couple mm-hmm. chapters are from the octopus's uh, perspective. Octopi? That's lovely. Octopuses, I think. Yeah, very bright. Um, very cool. Okay, so actually lovely. I'm going to skip this next one and I'm going to go to 2001 A Space Odyssey because I have so many things to say about it. Okay. So latest obsession in Nicole's life. Just watched 2001 A Space Odyssey the other night. Okay. It was really good. Um, this is the most sci-fi one on the list, but I had to talk about it because I I found this really interesting and I thought maybe you would too. So, uh, I'll read the description first. 2001: A Space Odyssey is a 1968 science fiction novel by British writer art. Oh my goodness, Arthur C. Clarke. It was developed concurrently with Kubrick's film version and published after the release of the film. Isn't that weird?
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that before.
0: Yeah. And then, okay, so they wrote, Clark and Kubrick wrote or worked on the book together, but eventually only Clark ended up as the official author. But the story is based in part off various short stories by Clark, including The Sentinel. Uh which is published on its own. By 1992, the novel has sold blah, 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 many copies. Very cool. So for those of you that don't know, this is a book that is is very similar to the movie. The movie is basically about um, people, animals, having encounters with a mental force that is stronger than them or knows more than them. I don't really know how much else to say about it without giving too much away. I assume at this point most people have seen this movie. Have you seen it?
1: Uh, No, but I'm really interested. Uh, I might do this over my Christmas holidays.
0: Please do, and I would love to talk to someone else about it, because the way that they... Like, I kept watching it and being like, how did they shoot this? Because it's so well done. So I'm... I'm very curious how different the book is from the movie, considering that they were written at the same time. So I'm curious. I'm going to read this over the break, and then I'll report back in the new year. And I'm curious how different it is, if it adds anything to it, if it's more simple or, like, how... I'm just curious. So, I'm... Yeah. That is my thoughts. I'm obsessed with 2001 A Space Odyssey right now. And cool. that is my life. So... Yeah. I,
1: I totally <laughs> want to check it out. And I, I'm curious, too, because if it was developed, like, alongside... Yeah. Like, the movie and the the book were developed alongside each other, I would be surprised if there were any, like, major yeah. differences. But it's I definitely want with, to see this.
0: Right? It's the same with... Yeah. um. What's that book um, by Stephen, not Chomsky, Chomsky? It's um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. The book was written and then the movie was made and it was directed by the writer. So he wrote the screenplay and also directed the movie. So it's like all his vision, which it feels the same with 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, yeah. Let me know what you think of it, but... Anyways, the reason Maybe. that this one falls onto the list as science fiction but not sci-fi is because in my mind, it was very sci-fi, like futuristic, but it also takes place in the past. And then for me, it was very much like a lot of what you're dealing with didn't feel grounded in space. It kind of felt like there was fantasy elements, I guess, but that's kind of true for all sci-fi. But yeah, anyways... I could talk about that for, like, hours. I'm curious what you think of it. Please let me know if yeah, and when you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I skipped one, but I'll no, let you have that that's, one.
1: <laughs> I'm happy that you talked about that. I, I'll go back up to this. I'm kind of excited to check out this one. Uh, <laughs> it's cute. Because <laughs> the cover's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Half Brother. It's by Kenneth o- Opal. Mm-hmm. Um. For 13 years, Ben Tomlin was an only child. But all that changes when his mother brings home Zan, an eight day old chimpanzee. Ben's father, a renowned behavioral scientist, has uprooted the family to pursue his latest research project, a high profile experiment to determine whether chimpanzees can acquire advanced language skills. Ben's parents tell him to treat Zan like a little brother. Ben reluctantly agrees. At least now he's not the only one his father is going to scrutinize. It isn't long before Ben is Zan's favorite, and Ben starts to see Zan as more than just an experiment. His father disagrees. Soon Ben is forced to make a critical choice between what he is told to believe and what he knows to be true, between obeying his father or protecting his brother from an unimaginable unimaginable fate. Half-Brother isn't just a story about a boy and a chim. It's about the way families are made, the way humanity is judged, the way easy choices become hard ones, and how you can't always do right by the people and animals you love. In the hands of master t- storyteller Kenneth Opal, it's a novel you won't soon forget. That sounds, like, really interesting and also kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. This
1: is a... Depending on
0: a YA, so... Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, very
0: cool. Yeah. Again, behavioral scientist, not yeah biologist, botanist, chemist. We've got different scientists for all of these books, but yeah, it sounds really cute. I can't imagine being raised alongside of a chimpanzee. Oh. Feels kind of Stuart Little esque, but Stuart, <laughs> I guess, could it's... already speak English. <laughs>
1: It happens in real life, and then people get their faces torn
0: off. Chimpanzees are so, nothing to mess with. Read careful, this book if folks. you really have that vision, and get out your fantasy by reading that book. Yeah,
1: it sounds really sweet, though. It sounds like it touches on some really um, important themes. So mm-hmm. that
0: sounds good. Yeah, and it sounds. I'm I'm curious about the um, relationship between Ben and his dad because. I mean, yeah. the one line says that he's scrutinized by him, but I'm curious if he, his dad looks at him as a be- behavioral scientist and how yeah, that plays yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Well, I also want to know, like, what happens to Zan? Because it's, yeah. it's talking about an imaginable fate. Like, what are they going to do to that poor baby? Yeah.
0: Especially if it, if they learn to, like, t- teach it how to speak. Will it be able to speak with other yeah. chimpanzees? Huh. I don't know. Curious. Yeah. Okay. This next one has a really cool cover. It is The Overstory by Richard Powers. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction, which is pretty cool. It is a sweeping, impassioned work of activism and resistance that is also a stunning ev- evocation of and pain, pain, pian I, we hey, went to school. It's But this is spelled P-A-E-A-N. So I'm pronouncing the E-A as, like, Caesar. So we're going to go in. Anyways. Yes. To yeah. the natural world. Uh, from the roots to the crown and back to the seeds, Richard Powers' 12th novel unfolds in concentric rings of interlocking fables that range from antebellum new york to the late 20th century timber wars of the pacific northwest and beyond there is a world alongside ours Vast, slow, interconnected, resourceful, magnificently inventive, and almost invisible to us. This is a story of a handful of people who learn to see that world and who are drawn up into its unfolding catastrophe. Uh, The book is about nine Americans whose unique experiences with trees brings them together to address the destruction of forests. Powers was inspired to write the work while teaching at Stanford University after he encountered giant redwood trees for the first time. And apparently the book is set up, um, I think it's like, I could be wrong, I could be doing it in the wrong order, but it's like branches, trunk, roots, or something, like there's three parts to the story, and that's kind of how it's structured, but um, it sounds really interesting and also very topical, because we are always dealing with climate change.
1: Always, especially this
0: year. It, there is no snow outside
1: <laughs> none what is going on <laughs>
0: yeah uh time log december 20th <laughs> but well, we'll uh see. no i i love trees
1: me too <laughs> i i love trees and at first i thought that this was um gonna be non-fiction mm-hmm. uh just because i don't know there's something about the cover yeah, and the trees. Where I assumed it was going to be nonfiction, but um, it sounds like quite the interesting story.
0: Yeah, honestly, they all kind of sound really good. I I do really like how the list has different types of science. I know I threw one true sci fi in there, but I'm obsessed with it. Diversity. Right now, so, yeah, diversity <laughs> yeah, for the sci fi fans who are mad that this isn't a sci fi list, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> They've all read it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. They're like we know. Uh <laughs> like, okay. wait, you haven't seen this movie?
0: What? Dang. Well, hey, I'm 29 and I just read watched it for the first time. So, and you're gonna watch it too for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, I'll wrap us up. Thank you everybody for watching. Um, hope you all had a great New Year's. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff across socials. We are TBAPL across the board. Um, you can find the titles and the authors' names on our blog, which is tbapl. TBPLOffTheShelf.com. I always struggle with it. And we'll see you guys again in two weeks. Bye!